0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Nisa Today FC Podcast. I'm Josh Taylor and on today's episode we got plenty to talk about. So for this episode I will share my thoughts on what everybody's been talking about this week as MLS revealed last week they tried to pull out the MLS Open Cup and U.S. Soccer said not so fast MLS that ain't happening. So I gotta talk about all that drama so we'll discuss that. And of course, I'll catch you up with what's been going on in NISA these past couple of weeks since our last episode and more. So stay tuned, guys. We got a good episode coming up right now on the NISA Day FC podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I miss you all. And I know it's been a couple of weeks since our last episode where I recap the NISA Nation National Championship Final. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Now, as you know, I normally start the show with a recap of a NISA match or a NISA Nation match, to do some NISA news, and then close out the show with my final thoughts. But after everything that's happened in the soccer world this week, we're going to flip the script. And we'll start the show with my final thoughts. And... We had a soccer league cause quite a stir on social media, making everybody angry this past week. And no, it wasn't Nisa this time. It was major league soccer. And we'll start with that, guys. That news since we're recording on a Thursday night. Now, in case you missed anything. So yesterday on Wednesday morning, U.S. soccer. The U.S. Soccer Federation finally released a statement after Major League Soccer dropped a bombshell last Friday announcing that they were going to pull their first teams out of the Open Cup. So here we go. Official U.S. Soccer statement. Major League Soccer has requested to allow MLS Next Pro teams to represent MLS in the 2024 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. After a thoughtful consideration, we have informed Major League Soccer that the U.S. Soccer Staff recommendation, which was adopted by the Pro League Task Force, is that the request be denied. As we move forward, we will continue our review of the Open Cup to ensure it aligns with the U.S. Soccer strategic pillars who remain committed to addressing the needs and concerns of all our members, including Major League Soccer and other stakeholders to enhance and improve the US Open Cup. So that was the latest statement from US Soccer Federation. Now, how do we get here? Last Friday, Major League Soccer announced that they plan to pull their first teams from the US Open Cup and replace them with their players from MLS Next Pro. This was a a vote that was taken by the Board of Governors last week. Now, we, we don't know what the, who, what the vote tally was or who voted yes, who voted no. We don't know any of that. But that was MLS's plan. And they dumped that news late Friday last week. And clearly they thought this was going to just get blown over. And no. I saw so many fans that were upset. You, you all saw my response. I was like, really? Are U.S. Soccer gonna just let MLS get whatever they want? Really? And people talked about the meaning of the Open Cup, how much it meant for them and all that stuff. So, my first experience covering the Open Cup was in 2018, covering the, for the U.S. it was Jackson Armada FC. Taking on Sima Aguilas. They play at Montverde Academy over in Montverde, Florida, which is just north of Orlando. And for Jackson Romano, they just got moved down from the NSL. The NSL, of course, seized operations after 2017. And their fans, you know, they still showed up, you know, supporting that team. This was kind of new for them. And Mark Lowry, he was still the coach at Jackson Armada during that time and got to cover that game. And you're just being at a, uh, uh, a different level, like seeing how this tournament means for a lot of these people. And the Open Cup is the only competition where we have semi-pro, amateur, and professional teams play in the same competition. It's the only one. So it, it kind of closely aligns us with, you know, England with their FA Cup or Germany, the EFL, Pokal. And part of this open competition, you know, it's a knockout. So upsets, sorry, as we call it, cup sets, tend to happen. And that's the beautiful thing of the, of the tournament. And MLS feels that they're too good for this, and they tried to pull out of the tournament. Now, the situation that they put themselves in, it just would have been crazy. Because the competition with MLS Next Pro teams just wouldn't be the same. It just wouldn't be the same if you don't have the first teams in this competition. And that's why I think MLS's ultimate goal was. They wanted to kind of, we kind of know the soccer wars brewing between usl and mls next pro right now and i think part of that was part of the strategy let's get these young kids let's put them on against these usl sides and blah, blah 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 and let's let's battle out on the field now the other interesting wrinkle to this dc united they don't have an mls next pro team right now i'm not sure how mls is letting them get away with that but they don't have one so does dc united end the tournament well mls at the time Last Friday, I said no. And MLS, their primary reason was due to fixture congestion, which I find very strange because they put this on themselves by creating the Leaks Cup. And they're not obviously not going to get rid of that, so you're going to back out of the Open Cup when most of these teams only get, like, what, one or two extra games? Of course, if you're making a deep run in the tournament, uh, like Inter Miami did, this year that you're going to have like maybe five six games so it was just a, a, a poor excuse in my mind by Major League Soccer and when they made this announcement last Friday neither U.S. Soccer or the USL they were informed of this decision was going to take place and in the bylaws for U.S. Soccer it clearly states That if you are a sanctioned professional soccer league, you are required to participate in U.S. soccer's events or competitions that you are eligible for. In this case, the U.S. Open Cup. You are required to participate It ain't optional, and you're also required to participate in CONCACAF events like the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Now, through the past few days, it was kind of getting a little worrisome because... We're hearing about everybody's stories about their Open Cup experience and what it means to them and the history and all that. And U.S. soccer took their time. So it was was a little nervous, but I'm glad they came out with a strong statement like that, sticking up for its competition, sticking up to MLS saying, no, you're not going to boss us around. This is our tournament. We make the rules here. And we feel clearly that the tournament is better with you in it. So you're going to play. And, you know, this U.S. Open Cup competition, guys, it's been around since 1914. And over 100 years of history, guys. Uh, The only years it wasn't played was in 2020 and 2021 because of the coronavirus pandemic. But outside of that, it's been played pretty much since 1914. And we've had historic clubs in this competition that have won it, like Bethlehem Steel. Chicago Bricklayers, Maccabi Haifa, Los Angeles, Brooklyn Italians, and of course the Rochester Raging Rhinos—the only lower division side. Since MLS came in in nineteen ninety-six, that has won the U.S. Open Cup competition. And the beauty of this tournament is—it's very similar to you know March Madness for basketball. You get Cinderellas, underdogs—you know—you give them that opportunity to be Cinderella, you know, David versus Goliath, you know, matches. I think when the, the tickets were on sale, they sold out in, what, two or three days? Now, granted, yes, it's the LA Galaxy. I know the LA Galaxy aren't as good right now like they used to be, but still, it's the LA Galaxy. And Cal United, a NISA team hosting an MLS team, that was a big deal. And yeah, that game, they lost that game, what, 3-2? to two? And, you know, that that was a... A, a, a big deal to, for them. Or, you know, Flower City Union. They hosted DC United last year. And that was a big deal for them. You know, Rochester has that soccer history still. To get an opportunity to host the MLS team is a big draw for them. And MLS was going to take the opportunity away for a lot of these lower division sides to host because they the lower division sides get some of that money. And I know U.S. soccer gets some of it too. And, This is what it boils down to for U.S. soccer is, or not just U.S. soccer, but for MLS, for them, it's clearly about power, try to flux their muscle here, because they think they're the boss, control, and clearly money, right? And money, they don't get hardly any money out of this competition. But that's, that's besides the point, MLS. This is about grassroots. This is about helping the lower divisions in soccer. This is what it's all about, okay? MLS thinks they're in their own ecosphere. Like, this is all about us, and we don't care about anybody else. And if you're not part of our league or MLS Next Pro, you don't matter. That's clearly the message they sent by putting that news out last Friday. And, you know, US soccer, you know, took a stand. And the other thing I didn't understand about this strategy with MLS is you're taking away a, a trophy from your t- own teams, your own clubs. Now, the Houston Dynamo, I know they won the open cup this year, but they also won it back in 2018. Now that year in 2018, guys, Houston was terrible. We knew they weren't going to playoffs. They were their coaches on the hot seat. And the only thing they had left to play to kind of salvage their season was winning the Open Cup, and the Open Cup was a big deal. is a big deal because obviously, if you win the Open Cup, you get to go to the CONCAF. Well, back then it was Champions League. Now it's the Champions Cup, but you still get that spot. You still get to play in a you know international competition like the CONCAF Champions Cup. And Houston wanted that year to get that spot. So MLS, if they would have gone through with this plan, if MLS would have gone through this, that would have happened. And that would have been really disappointing. And that is generally my thoughts, guys, that MLS, you know, they obviously don't own it. They don't make money from the U.S. Open Cup. And... Money clearly seems the factor that they're most concerned about. And you also take away an opportunity for the coaches to make that decision on how they want to approach the tournament. I know that's been a criticism on MLS sides that some of the teams don't take it seriously, some do, like Sporting Kansas City, Seattle Sounders, Chicago Fire back in the day. they have been struggling right now but yes back in the early 90s and or late 90s I should say in 2000s the fire were one of the dominant teams in the Open Cup DC United of course back in the 90s and then uh you know the Houston Dynamo as I mentioned winning it in 2018 and winning it this year so yes there are some teams that do take it seriously but like I mentioned you, you, the, the MLS by making this elite driven decision and not a uh, player coach are, you know, type of situation that essentially what they were doing by making this decision. And I feel you give, you should give the, the coaches that power to make that decision, how they want to approach this tournament. And some coaches will probably play the kids. Some will play a mixture of academy reserve players and some might go all out and, and play all their teams, but it should be the coaches decision. And as I mentioned, Major League Soccer, if they would have gotten away with this, it hurts the game. Um, and I just felt MLS was being hypocritical with that, saying, oh, it's fix your congestion. But you you, you shut down the league for a month for League's Cup, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And you're taking away opportunities for coaches to make those decisions on how they want to approach it. But also players, players get noticed on the Open Cup especially for these amateur sides. If they have a big game, it's possible an MLS team might sign these guys. And MLS would have taken that opportunity away by doing that. So I'm glad US soccer stood up for its own competition. So both MLS and US soccer will be going back to the drawing board. And I hope at the very least for MLS and US soccer, they work out a deal. Uh, I'm not sure how the money's going to work out because that's what it's clearly all about. But I for MLS, look, it's for me. It's pretty simple. You expand the rosters. Come on, these owners got money. Expand the rosters. Get rid of these some of these restriction rules like GAM and TAM and Ham. All these rules. Okay, Ham's not a real rule. I just threw that in there for laughs. But and. And just basically, just ease these roster restrictions so these teams can have flexibility to call up players if you want to give these MLS Next Pro Pro players minutes and all that, you know, raise the salary cap a bit. You know, that might help these guys too. But let me read a, a statement from United Soccer League. United Soccer League clubs have competed in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup for nearly 30 years, including 46 USL clubs in the 2023 edition. We believe the Open Cup is a historic and an integral part of America's soccer's culture. We stand with fans across the country who want to see it remain an authentic and inclusive competition. Regarding the future of the Open Cup, we will continue to work with our owners and U.S. soccer on what a tournament will look like moving forward. And then I'll read you a statement from NISA. The National Independent Soccer Association applies to U.S. soccer's federal position on U.S. Open Cup participation. While we appreciate Major League Soccer's leadership role in the game, we certainly don't agree with its decision to pass on its first-team clubs playing in the Open Cup. We think the beauty of the tournament is it embodies the only opportunity for every club in the country to prove itself on the pitch in merit-based competition. It also aligns our game with the world's game. So that is the latest statement from Nisa. Now, my hope is, as I mentioned, both sides get to the table and work things out. I do agree, though, that U.S. soccer needs to raise the money for the prize whoever wins the competition. Right now, it's like what three hundred thousand dollars, guys. We got to really up the up the ante on that and and get this thing raised. You know, something like maybe maybe two million. I know, I know, leagues comes what four million. If you get at least 2000000 million, I'm sure that would motivate MLS teams to take this tournament very, or at least more seriously. And as far as TV goes, well, I'm kind of curious because now that CBS has the rights to USL, I would think that would motivate them to want to, for them, CBS, to show the first rounds, early rounds of the tournament now. So I think that plays a factor in as well and you know like i said guys this was just crazy that mls this was part of the plan that they wanted to do to try to get out out of this tournament but u.s soccer said uh-uh ain't happy major league soccer so this this is this is good news and like i said <clears throat> it was getting bad for major league soccer on the backlash i don't think they were anticipating as much backlash from People on social media, some of the writers on the Athletic, uh, ESPN, and even people on the Dan Patrick show. I mean, yes, if you got non-soccer people talking about something you did MLS, that's may not be a good thing. And <laughs> in this case, uh from what they did, clearly it was not good. So Major League Soccer, even after that announcement, they were like, We still wanna play the kids and it's all about the kids and blah, blah, blah. All right, guys, I could talk about this all day, but we gotta move on to other stuff. So let's talk about what's going on in Nisa. All right, everybody, now back to our regular scheduled program. And we'll catch you up on what's going on in Nisa Nation as they just concluded the 2023 fall season. We only had one match that was played on the weekend of December 9th. Temecula FC and FC Golden State Force. Of course, whoever won that game was going to be crowned Southwest Regional Champions. And once again, FC Golden State found a way to win this match uh, I believe the score was 2-1 at halftime, I believe, and then to FC Golden State. And then I saw on social media that for Temecula FC, their goalkeeper got sent off. Uh, I know I, I saw on, on their social media page, there was chatter about how that happened or how it's was sending off all these things. But Temecula FC was down a man, and they had to play the rest of the game down a man, and they were down 2-1 at that point. And then Temeckle, or I'm sorry, FC Golden State were able to get one more goal to win that match. 3-1 on the road at Chaparral High School. And that was it for FC Golden State. They win another Southwest Regional Championship as they defeated Temeckle FC. 3-1. Uh, The other game that was supposed to be played that weekend, Olympiacos, CA, and Las Vegas Legends, that game was not played. But that was it. So that the results for the fall season in Nisa Nation are now final. As FC Golden State, forced with that win, pushed them from 21 to 24 points over to Mecca FC, edging them out who had 23 points. So FC Golden State takes the crown on this one. So let me close out with the final table for Nisa nation fall season in the Pacific region. Balborn FC are your champions in first place with 26 points. Bay area United FC is in second with 22 points. JASA RWC is in third, with 19 points. Windmill city FC is in fourth with 13 points. Oswald Stockton TLJ FC is in fifth with five points. Modesto City FC is at the bottom with one point. Southwest Region, FC Golden State Force, your champions once again. And as I mentioned, they finished the season with 24 points. Temecula FC in second with 23 points. Kapo FC is in third with 21 points. Lions United FC's in 4th with 19 points. Ocelot FC's in 5th with 18 points. Las Vegas Legends 6th with 17 points. Desert FC's in 7th with 11 points. Ocelot Inland Empire FC's in 8th with 10 points. Ocelot LA is in 9th with 7 points. Lobos FC's in 10th with 3 points. CA is at the bottom with 3 points. And in the Texas region... FC Brownsville are your champions with 10 points. Matias Almeida, FC's in second with six points. And AC Houston Sir is at the bottom with one point. We did have one Nisa Nation Player of the Week nomination, and that went to FC Golden State Force Midfielder Cyril Reese de Oliveira. He was selected as a Nisa Nation Player of the Week for December 4th through the 10th. Ace de Oliveira scored the decisive goal as FC Golden State Force secured the Nisa Nation Southwest Division title with a 3-1 victory over Temecula FC at Chaparral High School in Temecula, California on the 9th of this month. Uh, I mentioned here, Ace de Oliveira, was wearing the captain's armband and scored late in the first half for a 2-1 lead for FC Golden State Force, which needed three points overtaking to Mechel FC in order to retain his division title for the third consecutive season. Uh, It says here he was sent off in the 80th minute for denying goal scoring opportunity. But that is that, guys, um, on Nisa Nation. Now let's catch you up on the latest news Around the league. All right, everyone. Let's catch you up on the latest news around the Nisa League. And let's start with the LA Force, as they have a new head coach. And his name is DeKel Kainen. Of course, DeKel was a player on this team and I know when the announcement was initially announced a couple weeks ago, we were wondering, is he going to still play or just be the head coach? But the club clarified and said that he will be a player coach for the team for the 2024 season. So let me read you a quote here from their new head coach, Dakel Kainem. Quote, I am incredibly humbled and honored to have been given the opportunity to serve as the head coach of the LA Force, being entrusted with this role fills me with immense pride and excitement throughout my journey playing at the highest level of soccer i have been fortunate to accumulate valuable knowledge and insight that i am eager to bring to this team i will lead by example and am confident that together we can develop and cultivate young talent we are committed to building a strong team that will compete in every game end quote of course Takel, he brings a wealth of experience, you know, playing in the English Premier League, the Champions League, and, of course, representing Israel uh, at the international level. And their owner, Bob Freeland, said, quote, We are excited that Takel will be leading the team on and off the field in his dual role with the same class, commitment, and intensity he has demonstrated throughout his career, end quote. So that is the new boss for the LA Force, Matt Morse, who's also the NISA Nation Managing Director. He will be staying on with the club as a coaching consultant. The Savannah Clovers, they had their player ID tryouts um, this past weekend. So I did see some photos on Instagram about that. So that's pretty cool. So. The Clovers, you know, getting ready to improve for 2024. Speaking of tryouts, the LA Force, they will have their tryouts uh, next month, uh, January 20th and 21st, at Rio Hondo Stadium. Now, a couple weeks ago, Dan Creel from the United State, as you guys know from the United State Nisa podcast, he had posted on X on December 7th that he was hearing that Nisa will return with 10 to 12 teams in 2024, and that there may be a couple of Nissan Nation teams in the mix. Now, he mentioned specifically that Las Vegas Legends was one of them, and but we don't know the others. And for me, I, I was kind of speculating. It, it could be maybe Kapo FC. You know, Kapo FC, they, they are a team that had been rumored that they were going to go pro in Nisa at some point. At least that was the case last year. And then they announced they were going to USL League Two. And then they came back for the fall season to play in the spring to play in Nissan Nation. Of course, with Coppola FC, they're one of those clubs that has teams in different leagues, just like Las Vegas Legends does as well. So that's not uncommon. But still, that was another team I thought maybe might be in the mix. Temeckle FC. Maybe, but because and I only said that because I know they've been actively trying to get investors to invest in their team because they have aspirations to go pro. I don't think it's going to be as quick as this year, uh, like 2024, but maybe 2025, 2026 might be more realistic. I thought maybe Battleborn FC maybe, maybe JASA RWC. I think JASA, though, is highly unlikely. I only threw them in there because I know NISA – has a habit of going back to former NISA club cities and Bay cities played Redwood city, California. I believe that's also where JASA RWC is based as well. So that's the only reason why I threw them in there, but who knows, we we don't know. Now, I know Dan Krill also mentioned that, you know, he, he was hearing that LA force has been active. Irvine Zeta, Arizona Monsoon, Gold Star, FC, Maryland, Bobcats, Michigan, Stars, Savannah. as far as their off season, their the offices for the the front office, excuse me, can't talk today, have been the most active. So I thought that was interesting news from the past couple weeks. I know we posted a tweet yesterday that Nisa may announce their 2024 roster clubs on Friday. So we'll see if we finally get clarification on who's going to be playing, who's going to be kicking the ball for Nisa in 2024. Uh, I know that's a Nisa podcast. They did have a couple of guests on the show. They did have the Albion head coach, Albion San Diego head coach, uh, Diego Gomez on the show. And they did ask him about if Albion was coming back. And um, he had mentioned in that podcast that the club was kind of wait and see mode, working out with the league to see – if they can make that happen. So I know Dan Creel had shared some stuff over the last couple of weeks on what he's been hearing from what's going on in Easter since our last episode. And then Kartik Krishnair, he's been sharing some stuff as well. And since the news has been a little quiet, I figured we can talk and chat about what Karthik Krishnair had to say on his recent article on Beyond the Ninety, so just to give the listeners heads up, the article I'm, I'm kind of citing here from Carter Christianer on his Substack Beyond the Ninety, and uh, I definitely highly recommend you guys subscribe to his Substack. You know, he just puts very good information out there, not just on NISA but MLS, USL, soccer wars, all that stuff. So if you want to hear all about that, uh, I definitely recommend you subscribe to his Substack beyond the 90. But on his article that I'm referring to here, will Nisa return in 2024? He posted this back on December 15th. Uh, He said almost certainly yes, but it's not a done deal yet, as Nisa has been working on getting its roster of clubs for 2024. Now, he referenced in his article here that the LA Forest, Maryland Bobcats, Savannah Clovers are certainly back. Gold Star Detroit will most likely be back. And we had the commissioner on our show last month, and he had mentioned that they will have new ownership. So I feel pretty confident that Gold Star FC will be back. The only question is, Cardi also mentioned about the Michigan Stars, that they're on the fence about playing in 2024. I haven't heard anything on my end on the Michigan Stars. I know the Michigan Stars, you know, in the past, they've always talked about leaving NISA, but they always end up coming back. So, I just always assume, well, unless I don't see them on the schedule anymore, that's the only way I believe the Stars aren't going to be back. But I've just always assumed that they'll be back. Now, I don't know if other factors are in play, like their stadium. Yeah, I know the Michigan Stars hyped it up last year. We're going to have a stadium. And this year, they've been pretty quiet on that. So, I don't know if the progress on the stadium is still going on. And. I know there were rumors earlier this year that they were talking about MLS next pro, but if that was going to happen, they would have announced already. I'm not sure. I think MLS next pro is already set on, I believe 30 teams. I know they got 29 for next year since the I Chattanooga, but the latest rumor I've heard is that the town FC would be the 30th team that's going to be enjoying that leak. I don't know if it's going to be next year for 2024 or 2025, but that's the next team that's going to eventually move to MLS next pro. So, That's the only one that I'm aware of. And then we got what's going on with Club De Leon. Now, the commissioner did say last month that he felt confident Club De Leon is gonna be back. Um, Karting mentioned in his article that, you know, the club having to run through five venues and had multiple LLCs last season, now, sure, but hey, you never know. Uh, anything can happen, and I, I think for Club León, for Club de León, for me, it's going to depend on where the stadium's going to be. And if Orlando's going to be your base, you, you got to find a place to play in Orlando. That's 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 got to be the spot. And when they were announced last year, I had mentioned uh, that I I did suggest a few stadiums where they could play. UCF Stadium was one of them. Uh, Showalter Stadium, which is like a high school stadium in Winter Park, that was another one. I did, I think I mentioned Rollins College, and I think I mentioned well the ESPN Wide World Sports Complex, but that's way too expensive. So, <laughs> and uh, with all the issues that company owners had, you know, if they do end up coming back for year two, uh, I certainly hope that it will go much more smoother than this year. Now, Kartik mentioned the teams that were leaving. We know one of them, Chattanooga FC, they're already out. They're at MLS Next Pro now. And he mentioned that for Flower City Union, he's hearing that from multiple sources that they are telling, they are saying that Flower City Union will be heading to USL League 2 for 2024 and will likely move to USL League 1 in either 2025 or 2026. So... Those rumors about Farsi Union, you know, we haven't heard anything officially yet, but everybody seems to be pointing that that is going to happen. Now, for the expansion teams, Arizona Monsoon FC, uh, from what I was able to gather on them, they have a website now. Uh, I know Kartik mentioned in his specific article that he hasn't heard much on Arizona Monsoon, but... I was able to find that they do have a website now. And for Arizona Monsoon, um, they have a website and it says here that they are selling season tickets. Uh, Troy Pierce, he is the majority owner. So as you guys might remember him, he was the owner for Valley United FC. And now he's coming back with his... New expansion team, Arizona Monsoon FC, as the owner. The website also listed Omar Bravo as the club's head coach. Omar Bravo, in case you guys don't know much about him, uh, Bravo, he's the all-time leading goal scorer for Chivas de Guadalajara over in Liga MX. I, I think he, he, he has 123 goals during his time there as the all-time leading goal scorer. Uh, he's also played at Cruz Azul. He's played at Atlas, Tigres. And uh, he also played in Spain for a bit. He played for uh, Deportivo La Coruña over there in La Liga. He also played in MLS. He played with Sporting Kansas City. He played with North Carolina FC when they were in the NASL. And he also played with Arizona United, which we now know as Phoenix Rising in the USL Championship. He played with them back in 2017 before he retired in 2020. So, Omar Bravo, he's listed as the head coach for Arizona Monsoon FC. And as far as their stadium is concerned, they announced that they will be playing their home matches at Glendale Community College Stadium. So, that is where they will be playing their games. So, they won't be playing in Mesa Arizona, which is where, as when they were Valley United, that's where they played last year. Now, Irvine Zeta, uh, I haven't heard anything on them, at least recently. Uh, I know in my previous episode, I talked about they named a the head coach and all this stuff, but I did see Dan Creel's post on X talking about that Irvine Zeta FC might have let go of their entire staff. Not sure what happened there. Uh, so, uh, I know the commissioner mentioned last month that everything's all set to go for Irvine's AFC, so I'm assuming they're still going to play. But like I said, if the rumor is true that Nisa will announce their roster of clubs, I would expect Irvine's data to still be on there. Now for Strikers FC, I have not heard much. Uh, I know Kartik uh, mentioned in his article uh, here that uh, that they're ready to go. Um, and even though it's a reincarnation of Cal United Strikers FC, he made it clear in this article that they won't have the financial backing like they did when they were Cal United Strikers having the Capriati family. Of course, they own Wendy's and Taco Bell, right? So, you know, not sure how that will play out, but we'll see. And I know my, based on my conversation with the commissioner last month, John Prooch, he mentioned that Strikers FC should be good to go. Now, one interesting note that Karthik mentioned in his article that he heard that Nisa has been talking to some Nisa Nation clubs, uh, but some might be on the fence because of what happened with Club Leon this past season. And he also talked about that Nisa has been looking at Charlotte and Atlanta as possible expansion teams. Now, for me, you know, I'm kind of like with Charlotte. I'm like, Nisa, are you sure you want to go to Charlotte? Because it's very competitive right now. Charlotte has Charlotte FC. They got uh, the Charlotte independence and they have crown legacy. And I just don't know where in Charlotte, where they're going to find, uh, an, uh, an area where they can get soccer now. There is one Nisa, former Nisa club that I would love to see come back if it was Charlotte. It would be Stumptown AC, of course. And I know y- y'all can call me crazy. You're know, like, guys, we already tried Stumptown twice. Why give them a third chance? And I'm like, look, Stumptown, you know, first time around, it was just due to the bad ownership. They just couldn't get, they didn't have the financial backing as they thought they did. So they had to go on hiatus. When they came back a second time, they were league-owned. And look, you know, they had a, a shoestring budget. You know, Rod Underwood, who was a coach at that time, before he left to go to Chattanooga FC, you know, did a really decent job with that club. They had some good players on that team and did really well. And, you know, Stumptown AC, they they showed they had a, a fan base there. Uh I know not as big as like Chattanooga, but it was growing. They show potential for growth there. So maybe Nisa might look at that route. I mean, maybe if they could find a home for Stumptown, we'll see. So I would definitely endorse that move, especially because they got Kevin the Tree. So if they could find a way to bring Stumptown back, that'd be good. But if it ain't Stumptown, then why go back to Charlotte? I would say at that point, Try Greensboro or Winston-Salem, you know, any other North Carolina city at that point. But that was one interesting news. Uh, as far as Atlanta goes, Um, well, NISA had Atlanta as seen when they first started NISA. Uh, I know they've talked about Atlanta since then, but I just felt like it hasn't gone anywhere. I know the only place I can think of off the top of my head where maybe it could work, maybe Duluth, uh, Gwinnett County, uh, where where Duluth is. Or maybe you go to to where where Kennesaw, where Kennesaw State University is. Uh, Maybe they might find somewhere out there where they could play, in the northwest part of Atlanta. So, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. But uh, we will see how that plays out. But I think the goal for NISA ultimately is to make sure they have enough teams to build regional play. So... For having a Western Conference and an Eastern Conference, I think that's ultimately the goal uh, for the West Coast teams. At least, if it works out that way, a lot of those teams can get by traveling by bus for the most part. Uh, and then on the East Coast teams, you know, they can fly, you know, or do some bus trips as well. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. So those are my takeaways there. All right, guys, we got two more pieces of news here. So former Flower City Union defender and captain Mumbi Keswele has signed a contract to play in Thailand. So he's leaving Rochester and going to Thailand. He, he has signed a contract to play for – I'm going to totally butcher this. So anyone listening in Thailand, if I mess this up, I apologize. He, so he is signed to play for – come fun fets fc so that is where moombi is going i do wonder for some of the other flower city union players where they might end up uh next since the rumors we've been hearing about that they're not coming back to nisa and that they're going to end up in usl league two but we'll see Uh, That's one thing I would definitely keep an eye on this offseason, if that turns out to be the case for Flowers for Union, where some of their other star players will end up signing next. And then for the Maryland Bobcats FC, they announced that they will have their professional combine. uh, They're in 2024 for next month. So the Maryland Bobcats will have their combine on January 8th to the 10th, uh, January 16th to the 18th, January 22nd to the 24th, and then at the end of the month, January 29th through the 31st. All right, everyone. That's the latest news from NISA since our last episode. Now it's time to close out the show. All right, everyone, before I close out the show, I've got one more piece of news from Nisa Nation to share, and that is that the league is currently accepting applications for the following regions, the Western New York region, of course, the Southwest region, which is their SoCal region, the Pacific region, the Texas region, which will now be split into two divisions, looks like North Texas and the South Texas region, upstate New York, and the Florida region. And with that, that will conclude today's episode of the NISA Today FC podcast. If you guys have any comments, feedback, or suggestions, you can reach out to me on X. My handle is at JT underscore Taylor 88. You can also reach out to me on on my Instagram page as well. And if you like the show and want to keep up with all the latest updates, you can follow us on our social media handles. We're on Facebook at Nisa Today FC. We're also on Instagram at Nisa underscore Today FC, on X at Nisa underscore Today FC, and we're on threads at Nisa underscore Today FC at threads.net. Please share all my episodes with your listeners, guys, and friends. I would certainly appreciate that. And I hope you guys have a happy and safe holidays. And unless we get some big news that happens before the end of the year, you guys enjoy the rest of your 2023. And I'll see you next year. Bye for now.